during the protection courses at Michael Ellis's School for Dog Trainers in California, Michael gives a lecture on different forms of dog aggression. This is part one of that lecture. I will include the other parts in later newsletters. We run through uh, the types of aggression we talked about. So we have defensive aggression, which is the aggression that we most frequently think about when we think of aggression, uh, especially when it relates to bite work. And defensive aggression is uh, basically fight or flight related stuff. The dog feels threat to his person, to his, to himself, uh, or his handler, primarily himself, feels threatened, thinks he needs to respond aggressively or flight. So anytime we're dealing with defensive aggression, uh, we're potentially dealing with uh, a dog that's um, perceiving threat, and if we push it too far, the dog may avoid. Right? So we need to know that. Uh, str and strong defensive responses are uh, the stress with that is alleviated by having the threat go away. Right? So it's difficult to alleviate defensive stress by continuing to work a dog. So if I put the dog continually in defense, and the dog's biting me, and I keep working him, and I don't, the dog doesn't win in some fashion, defeat me, drive me off, whatever, then there's a cumulative stress related to that. So we need to keep that in the back of our mind. Working in defense always has a cumulative stress. And the places that we work in defense, we want to make sure that we are alleviating that stress for the dog. And because a little may be good, does not mean a lot is better when it comes to defensive aggression. But defensive aggression is basically aggression uh, from perceived threat on the dog's part. We have frustration or prey-based aggression. So frustration, that's the classic, the dog can't get to something it wants to get, and it starts to get frustrated, and it starts to get angry. Frequently it manifests uh, around prey-based behaviors, right? So if my dog wants to chase something that's moving and it can't get to it, that prey drive loads and loads and loads, turns into frustration, which can turn into aggression. Um, sometimes very effectively channeled into the item we want it to. So when we actually finally let that dog bite whatever it wants to get to, it bites it with a lot more energy because of the frustration and the anger created by that frustration. But also it can redirect. Uh, like, like we talked about, two dogs running the fence, getting frustrated, and one turns and bites the other one. The dog that can't get to something they want and turns and bites their handler. So watch out uh, with very high, high levels of frustration in the dog that the dog uh, gets an outlet before it redirects onto you or something else, which can happen. Uh, not all dogs do this, redirect, but some dogs do, and it's not uncommon at all for dogs to re redirect when they're uh, frustrated and prey. We have uh, what I consider the best form of, of uh, aggression for protection work, and it's the dog that I consider competitively aggressive. Right? So this is not a behaviorally correct term. It's a term that I've kind of coined to describe uh, what I consider to be the best dogs in protection work. And they don't exhibit all the signs of classic defensive aggression, um, but they like the act of fighting and they enjoy this activity. And when you push them hard, they push back hard, right? So the more you compete with them, the more you up the ante, the kind of more they raise their game but they don't get in that kind of unclear, hectic place that a lot of defensive dogs do, right? Because they're not necessarily perceiving threat. They're getting a little angry through competition with the decoy. People will frequently call this fight drive, but that word gets used so much, the fight drive word, bantied around everywhere, that everybody has kind of a different uh, approach to what they mean exactly by that. And it, uh, 
So I don't use the term very, very often. And I would say that the, uh, when I'm describing aggression in very good dogs, they're fr frequently what I call competitively aggressive. Um, we have resource-based aggression. And the resource-based aggression is a dog that's guarding something they think is theirs. Right? Uh, dog guards their food, dog guards a bone, dog guards the sleeve or piece of equipment. Um, got, uh, or sometimes uh, some dogs perceive their handlers as a resource and will guard their handlers from, uh, from other dogs, from people, whatever it is, right? Uh, occasionally we use resource guarding type stuff in protection work. Not all dogs exhibit it, and sometimes it's not beneficial to intensify that because it can have bleed over into other aspects of the dog's life. So generally speaking, I try to discourage resource guarding in my dog because it makes them much harder to live with, right? So the dog that resource guards, you gotta watch them they get a toy and they lay down with it, now you gotta watch that nobody walks up near them or nobody comes over next to them. So I tend not to encourage resource guarding. It tends to have a strong genetic component. Dogs that really like to guard their resources tend to do so genetically. Um, although it can be created through, uh, through rearing and it can be created by ineffective attempts to stop it, right? So the dog may growl a little bit over his food and if you keep screwing with him, just let him know that, hey, I can touch your food. It can get worse, right? It's like agitating the dog over their food. So we have to be a little careful about how we deal with resource guarding that gets expressed uh, in the dog's life. Uh, but there are dogs that have an extremely strong genetic propensity for this. Uh, and you see it in little puppies sometimes. You get an eight-week-old puppy that'll just like sit over its food bowl and snarl and growl and come flying off the food bowl to guard it. And, a lot of really crazy extreme stuff. And that's usually genetic when it's that kind of extreme. Um, the only place that we tend to use it in protection work is periodically uh, to build intensity over the fallen equipment. So the dog has a sleeve or whatever that we've given the dog. The dog drops it. We pull the dog back a little bit so the dog is close to it but can't quite reach it. And then I come up and pretend I'm going to steal their thing. And with certain dogs, that makes them really angry. They'll guard the sleeve. And we get intensity that uh, we can channel into biting behavior at that point if we want to. So sometimes it's productive for that kind of dog. Uh, I would say it's, uh, we use it uh, infrequently, but there are dogs out there that we can wind up using that, that on. Uh, we have fear or pain-induced aggression. Uh, and I think they're hand in hand. Uh, I use them kind of interchangeably because the pain elicits fear in dogs. So painful things make the dogs scared, and, and then some dogs have an aggressive reaction to that, some dogs have a flighty or submissive reaction to pain. Uh, but there are dogs that are very pain aggressive. Uh, like you'll see it the first time you put a pinch collar on those dogs or they feel anything, you step on their foot, they bite you, right? There's that dog that their pain threshold is such that when they, something that we would think, ah, that wasn't such a big deal, they have a very strong aggressive reaction to it. They lash out. Um, <clears throat> this has very little use in protection work although people do sometimes use that to create defensive aggression in a dog. So agitating dogs uh, while they're on a pinch collar is kind of common in some of the old school uh, situations, and the conflict and pain of hitting the end of the pinch collar while they're trying to get to bite work makes some dogs stressed and angry, and then they show uh, defensive aggression and the guys can reward that. So there are people that are using like the pain and stress and conflict uh, in those circumstances to make intensity as well in bite work. It's not something that I like to do, and it conflicts radically with the way I teach obedience and things, so I don't do that kind of thing, but there are people out there that do. And there are also people out there that are gonna use pain, aggression, uh, to elicit defensive responses, uh, 
by hurting the dog physically when they're agitating the dog, whether they hit him with a whip, whether they put him on the table and pinch him, poke him, whatever they do, but in some fashion they'll put pain on the dog to make the dog angry. Uh, and it's a very common technique. Uh, I use it very, very sparingly and only in really specific circumstances with a dog who um, I think could stand to get angry and perceive some threat, but everything else about the dog is very confident, very stable, and the dog's biting and everything else is excellent, so that it makes it worthwhile to have a couple of these sorts of experiences to intensify this dog. But it, I would only do it with a dog that I thought could be highly competitive or highly functional, um, and it's and not something that I would want to have to continually do to a dog to elicit um, to elicit aggressive responses. Uh, so I use it very sparingly. Uh, many people in protection circles use it a lot, so just be aware that it's out there. Um, this is the end of part one of Michael's lecture on aggression. This will be continued in our next newsletter.